2: Hello, this is Greg Prado, author of the books Take It Off, Piss Truly Unmasked, as well as the Eric Carr story, amongst many others. You're listening to the Shattered Out Loudcast with Tom and Zeus. Rock and roll.
0: That's right. We're back with another episode of Dorm Damage, the show where anything and everything is on the table, and the table gets smashed. This week, a very special guest, rock author, writer for Guitar World and Guitar Player Magazine, the great Steve Rosen will be joining us shortly, Zeus.
3: Yeah, can't wait. Uh, He is like almost the go-to person for guitarists when it comes to talking about uh guitars music and things like that and he's got this great new book about eddie van halen and we know everybody loves eddie van halen so Uh, i'm really looking forward to this
0: yep so tone chaser is the book and we spent a good amount of time with steve talking about that and much more hope you guys enjoy it
3: without further ado steve rosen
0: All right, our guest this week is a music journalist with a career of over 50 years. He's written for Guitar World. He's written for Guitar Player Magazine. He has covered some of the greatest musicians in rock history, including Jeff Beck, Prince, Bruce Springsteen, Randy Rhodes, Bad Company, Black Sabbath, you name it. He has written and covered them all, but we have him here tonight to talk about his book, Tone Chaser. In his relationship with Edward Van Halen, and it it's now in his second printing. We're here to welcome Steve Rosen. Steve, welcome to the show, buddy. Hey guys, happy to be here. How you doing? Great. Thanks so much for joining us. Of so let's so so let's talk about your book, Tone Chaser. So the it originally came out in 2020. It's in its second pressing right now, which is fantastic for you. Yeah. And the book is, you know. It's not a standard kind of rock bio. You had a relationship with Eddie Van Halen. So you covered this a little bit differently than most rock journalists. Tell us a little bit about how you became friends with Eddie and how this kind of transformed into the book that, that you call Tone Chaser.
2: So uh, July 77, I'm at the Whiskey and the famous Sunset Strip. Yep. Um, Cheap Trick is recording a live record. Um, not Budokan. They would do Budokan the next year and, and blow up. But in 77, Cheap Trick was still playing the 200 seat, uh, whiskey a go go. So I'm there, um, with my brother and I'm approached by, uh, Michelle Meyer. Michelle Meyer booked the club. She's someone I knew. I, I was playing around. I had a couple bands and she booked me into some of these other clubs she worked with. And uh, she said, listen, there's somebody you, you have to meet, you know, he's Godhead. And M- Michelle using the, the term Godhead meant this person was inhuman. He was of another yep. world, you know, and um uh, I, I trusted Michelle's instincts. She knew everything that was going on. And if she said this guy was Godhead, he was somebody I had to meet. So we go upstairs uh, to one of the dressing rooms, with the whiskey, and standing in the corner uh, is this guy, Edward Van Halen. Um I need to tell you that I had never heard Edward play. I had never seen Van Halen play before that. I'd heard of them. Everybody in Hollywood had heard of Van Halen. Everybody knew that this band Van Halen just scored a big deal on Warner Brothers record. So I figured he has to be a very good guitar at the very least, right, to, to do that. So we start talking, man, and it's, uh, it's, it's just a fantastic conversation and all the people, all the guitar players he loved, I loved. You know, Clapton comes up, and Blackmore, and Jeff Beck, and um, it's just this one of these instant things, you know. How do people become friends? Shared the interests, you know, time and place, synchronicity. For whatever reason, I was there and he was there. So let's fast forward about eight years. Um, I'm I'm been friends with Edward. Uh, he's now coming over to my little guest house in the Hollywood Hills. He lives in Coldwater Canyon, which is just kind of a 10 minute trip up on Mulholland Drive, a pretty famous street up on the top mm-hmm. of the hills there. And um I've spent a lot of time with him. I've interviewed him many times. And I say, Ed, uh, Edward, uh, look, man, writer's going to come to you and they're going to want to r- write your life story. I- I'd like to be able to do that. And he goes, yeah, man, has to be you. You know, I, I can't think of anybody else to do that. So that was amazing. So for the next two or three years, I'm interviewing, um, friends, his friends from Pasadena, guys he's played in bands with before the Van Halen we know, um, guys who were promoting shows, just anybody I could find that I thought, you know, had something worthwhile to say. That book never happens. Um, excuse me. Our relationship ends in 2003. Fast forward 17 years, off and on, I've been thinking about that book that never was. And I finally decided, okay, I'm going to, let me see if I can sit down and write this book. I start writing it uh, on August 24th, 2020, my birthday. I remember that day. And um, 14 months later, uh, in 2021, um, I complete the book, this 580-page monster, um, you know, that as you, you, you so um, aptly described, Tom is, is nothing like music bios that you've mm-hmm. read. And I, I recognize that I didn't set out to write that kind of book, but it's just, it's just what happened. I wasn't going to write a chronology. Edward came over when he was eight or six on the <laughs> boat with his mm-hmm. parents and his dad worked. And yes, it's a great story, but, but we know that story, you know, um, and I, I just started writing what I knew. And what I knew was sort of, you know, hanging out and spending time with this guy. And what was he like, you know, kind of off stage and, and these deep conversations that we had uh, that I characterized as the Twilight tape. He would call me late at night, early morning, three in the morning, and, he, and he'd want to talk, you know. Um, and it, sometimes it'd be about music. Sometimes it would be about the band. Um, or his relationship with his dad, or things he was worried about, or wondering about, and uh, you know, I just put these pieces together, and um, I, re- I realized that that this this was not like any other music bio I'd ever read. Um, and part of me was concerned. It's like, can I write a book like that? Is anybody going to want to read a book like that? It, it, you know, it's different. I had a little little section that I call "Note," and mm-hmm. in the note section is sort of this omniscient character and he is looking down at this Steve Rosen character who's writing the book and he's commenting on Steve Rosen. He's going, that Rosen, what a dickhead. Why would he ask a stupid question like that? Can't you see that Ed's getting upset and, you know, why would Steve want to jam with Edward Van Halen? Is he out of his mind? I mean, who's going to ask him those questions, you know? So it was really different, you know, and at the end of the day, 14 months later, I thought I had something pretty unique, you know, it's one of those yeah. things, Tom, until you put something out into the world, I, I could be John Steinbeck. I could be Da Vinci. I can be Mozart, right? I'm the greatest person. I'm the greatest musician, but until you get feedback from people, until people read that book and you know what they are, are thinking, you know, how they've reacted, you don't know. So mm. yeah, that long answer to your question, um, it was different. And, and, and at a point in time I realized I was going down a different path and, I just followed it, you know, and, and yeah. I was kind of proud that that I kind of, you know, look, I'm not I didn't rewrite anything, you know, uh, mm. a, an entirely new oeuvre of, of autobiography, but it was different. And I've never read anything like it. So. Mm. Nice. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Steve, that's the thing that I was going to say. We're all used to the rock bios and things. And for the fans of Van Halen and specifically Edward Van Halen. Um, this is just different, so you're right. You can get the book that says he was born on such and such a date. then they recorded Diver down. then they like I get it, but this gives a like inside perspective because when he's talking to you, you get the feeling that you no know, he's not calling somebody at three in the morning to talk stuff that he would talk openly to. Uh, The Los Angeles Times or anything like that. He's talking to somebody that he trusts and he's opening up about things that he wants to discuss and that are something that are probably pretty personal. I always find it interesting that rock stars and stuff have expect that Everybody else is up at three in the morning. Why don't I just call him and talk to him? And of course you want to hear about my problem. I had in my fight with my brother yesterday, right? 3 a.m. Let's hear <laughs> it. But you get that perspective that if you want to really know what he's like and you are a real fan of him and what he really thinks about certain music and stuff, this is different and perfect for you. And you're right. It does have those twilight tapes make this very unique. And uh, I'm just curious. Was there stuff that you're like, you know what? I can't put this in
2: here. Well, you know, man, you hit on a lot of interesting topics. There's Zeus. Um, yeah, you know, you, you 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 used one word that meant everything to me, and that was trust. Yeah. He trusted me. And in the book, I famously write, and it happens more than once. I don't know how many times he said it. You know, um, we'd be talking about something. And this could be what this could be an interview for Guitar World. It'd be like, a, you know, or for a, one of the Japanese magazines I was writing for. Um, um, you know, so it wasn't it wasn't, you know, even a, a Twilight tape. It wasn't deeply personal stuff, but it might have been more political or he might have made some comment about the band. And he said, don't print this. Don't use that, you know. Yeah. Um, and I never did. I, I I never, ever, ever betrayed that trust. Um, so that w- that was a huge word. And that was a huge emotion for me, for him to be able to trust me like that. Um, were there bits that, that I thought about? There were. Um, I don't want to give the book away in case you haven't read it. but Oh, yeah, definitely. There's some, right? I mean, there's some pretty real personal moments in there. Mm-hmm. And as I'm writing those, honestly, man, I, I, I labored over them long and hard. The one thing I never wanted to do or never intended to do um, was was to hurt anybody, to hurt anybody um, uh, in the Van Halen family, you know, to. To make fans look at him somehow differently and, oh, you know, Edward, now we don't like him. Any- that was like the furthest thing from my mind. Those deeply personal moments to me revealed so much about him, this other side of him, that no one, as as, as this pointed out, he he never said these things to anybody else. And I, I I thought, and I hate to use the word man transparency. I, I'd rather use the word being completely honest. Mm-hmm. I had to be absolutely honest with myself, to the reader, and, and 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 to the memory of Edward. Edward passed about six weeks after I began the book, so he was mm-hmm. still alive when I when I began the book, and when he passed. That was a whole other thing I had to go through. Do I continue writing the book? What do I do? Um, so yeah, man, those, th- th- there were, man. And, and, and if you've read the book, you probably know there's like about four or five really personal moments. Um, I, I struggled with it, you know, um, at the end of it, like I said to you before, Tom, um, you know, I, I could have written this great book and had all these great insights. And if people respond to it, responded to it, like, that's bullshit, man. That's not true. Why would you write that about our hero? We hate you for writing that, you know? Mm. Not one person has ever said that. Everybody yeah. walked away saying, wow, I, I know something about Edward I didn't know before. And that's what I was trying to get across. Um, yeah, man, some of those parts were incredibly hard to write. On the other side of that, I've also tried to be completely honest with myself and the way I interacted with Edward. And yeah, man, I'm up. I'm up at 5150, man, and I'm doing coke with him, and I'm drinking. Though I wasn't a <laughs> drinker because, as you know, I tended to get migraine headaches. But mm-hmm. I, you know, I mean, it, 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 you know, I'm not. I, you know, I wasn't going to pretend that didn't happen because it did. Yeah. But um, yeah, man, and 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 really, I, I I know how personal those moments are, but but they 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 just reveal so much about him. I I believe. Yeah. I th-
0: I think the thing that makes this book even more uh powerful and you know emotional, you know maybe for lack of a better word is I know you know Zeus and I are the same age, you know we grew up you know in the era of of Van Halen and you know the thing about Eddie is that you know even when Van Halen was kind of quieting down with with putting out music, you know he was he was one of the most one of the most popular musicians that you really didn't know a lot about, you know, I I don't want to use the term like recluse, but so I think when, when people get this book, I think that might be the thing that affects the reader so much more is they're learning about a guy that like, they didn't really know about before, as opposed to some other artists that are like, that are everywhere, you know, that you're always seeing them. I mean, I mean, growing up, the only thing I knew about Eddie Van Halen, other than the, the band was, Valerie Bertinelli you know and 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 that was a big celebrity thing because she was huge at the time and um so I think fans when they absorb a book like Tone Chaser they're like oh wow like I didn't know that like you said it's like do I think differently about Eddie now because I I never knew these things about him I always had him you know he was always the smiling guy in the jump video or he was always the guy you know you know do kicking up his legs and doing this crazy solo. So I, I I feel like that was probably a a powerful thing that readers felt too when they read it.
2: Yeah, man. Interesting point for sure. Um, and Ed in his fashion was a recluse. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's not like he was, look, we've seen some, we've seen the photos of him at the tool concert and, you know, he, he hung out once in a while and he'd go to jam, but yeah, it's not like, like he was out there every week hanging out at concerts and throwing parties at the house and stuff. um, he felt, and told me he, he really he felt uncomfortable out in a crowd, which seems you know pretty insane since he was a guitar player in a rock and roll band, and you're playing in front of you know twenty thousand people for you know two hundred nights a year. But yeah. that was different. That's that's Edward on stage. He was yeah. totally at home there. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, and it was kind of as, as much as you felt like Edward was your friend, and you could go and hang out with him. Um, you know, it was he was once removed, right? He's on stage and here's the audience. Um And, and yeah, that other side of him, uh, I, I don't think many people knew about him. Look, man, every day I was with him, I learned something new about him. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it took me 580 pages to try to, uh, you know, unravel the enigma of Edward Van Halen. I could have written another 580 pages, Um, you know, and, and uh, yeah, he was, he was an amazing guy. He was, he was, much deeper than I think anybody may have thought he was. Not in a sort of book sense, because I honestly, I don't know how much Edward read. Um, later on, we understand that, you know, he got into Buddhism and that whole thing, and that must have taken a, a lot of in-depth study. But I, you know, I don't know if Ed ever, you know, was reading the newspaper in the morning or he was reading books. And I talk about it in the, in, in the book. I don't know if he, I, I really believe, I don't think he ever read one story I ever wrote about him <laughs> yeah. any story you know yeah. um um uh, you know so but but he you know <laughs> obviously the musical part of him was you know I mean everything that's been said about that has been said but you know he was he was insecure about things and you know he had his sleepless nights about what was happening with the band and the dynamics between everybody and yeah man he uh, he was fragile, just like the rest of us it were. It's just you know mm-hmm. you see him on stage and smiling and doing that thing, and you think, well, he's he's invulnerable. You know how could how could ever Van Halen ever be morose or you know mm. down? Or, but I mean, he was. I mean, he was not a lot, honestly, man. I, I'd say eighty percent of the time I was with him, man, he was always up, mm-hmm. or he always acted up. You know, he was always supportive of me. I mean, I was probably you know down more than Edward was, and hey, man, it's okay. And, you know. I, the guy was great he was he was a supportive guy he was a teacher you know um so yeah yeah yeah, a lot of people i don't think people knew about that that hopefully they'll walk away again you know with a a little better understanding Mm -hmm.
3: what i always find fascinating is like over time the admiration that he gets from other guitar players and they're always whether it be a band from the I don't know, you would say a hair metal band that kind of fell out, never got that popular. But that guitarist knows Eddie Van Halen and will have a real personal story with him about guitars that Eddie would just be like, oh, here you go. And then you'd read something that Jerry Cantrell would talk about, about grunge. And they're a different type of band. And they would be like, oh, it's Eddie. Like he is, and we talked about this at one point, he is probably... The least maligned, like from any other artist, like everybody loves Eddie Van Halen. Mm -hmm. There is nobody that shits on him. It's like Bond Scott, like Mm -hmm. those two guys. You never hear stories about somebody saying, "I met him; he was an asshole." Everybody (laughs) and everybody in the music world just has this affinity for him, and it's whether it be his laid back, you know, personality that we as fans would see the smiling guy. Who was just effortlessly way better than anybody else on guitar. It could just do this thing on the guitar and smile at you and be like, dude, how are you doing that? To mm-hmm. like, even now, I saw a video of who is it? Uh, Joe Satriani with Howard yeah. Stern and all them doing that new little super group. They're going to tour and they're yeah, going to play yeah. some Van Heels. And he's like, yeah. I can't do this stuff. This is the guy that's taught, taught like, Kirk Hammett and Stevie Vai. And he's like, yeah, Mean Street shit. I, I don't know how he's doing it. I'm, I'm working on it so I don't embarrass myself. This isn't like the local guy down the street. This is one of the most renowned guitarists. And he always made it seem effortless. He's always had this love from every other musician. And that, to me, like reading this book, Nobody comes across and going, gee, now that I see this stuff, I ain't really was a homophobic, racist asshole. (laughs) No, you don't get that. You get that he's a a real human that has thoughts about things. And, and you're curious to see what he's talking about and whether it be the band or the music, it's just fascinating. And the man has always been fascinating. And if anybody deserves to get this kind of recognition and, Somebody to talk about the real person Because this is what you're getting from this book You're learning about the real person it's, it's a service That you're doing for his fans And other musicians that love him And respect him I think this is one of you know A handful of books I can think of That are just so kind of unique And bring out mm-hmm. a whole new perspective That people can respect And understand what's happening About their favorite artist
2: Dude, you make me
3: blush.
2: That was very <laughs> cool, man. That was yeah. cool, man.
3: Oh, well, it's I mean. honest. I mean, I'm being honest. We we don't we don't give foot rubs here on the show. Our listeners know, <laughs> but I, I'm just saying, like it's fascinating. And Eddie Van Halen of anybody, nobody dislikes. Him. I'm not. I love Van Halen, but I was yeah. never like Van Halen, like some people are. Yeah. and and I would put him up there as probably one of my top five favorite people because it's Eddie. Yeah.
2: Everybody yeah. loves him. Yeah, man. I, I mean, you bring up so many cool, cool points, Zeus. Um, and I think what you're describing. Yeah, there are. I think all of that comes out in his music and all that comes out when you see him play. Yeah. And the smile. Um, you know, and, and it comes out on record, man. And, and just every note, it's just like it, it's something that touches you. Uh, yeah. In some way. Um, Look, I mean, Edward came up at a time, you know, that, that Sunset Strip thing. There were some really, really good guitar players around then. You know, uh, uh Warren Dumartini and, uh, mm. you know, George Lynch. I mean, uh, Rusty oh, Anderson, yeah. who, you know, became Paul McCartney's guitar player. I mean, these are like amazing guitar players. Uh, Terry Kilbore, you know, mm-hmm. um, uh, so, but, but what was it about Edward that, that made him a little bigger than these other guys? You know, maybe it's just everything you described. It's just everything that he did somehow touched you. You felt like he could have been like the guy next door, man. He could have been your neighbor. You could have hung out. And on any given night, yeah, Ed probably would Ed probably would have done those things, you know. Yeah. And 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 yeah, man. I I guess when I you, you sort of defined it for me, Bruce, that you know maybe I put those little personal bits in there because that that really is who he is, right? And he is this real living breathing, you know, carbon-based life form that, you know, feels sad sometimes and, you know, has marriages that don't work at, you know. Um but yeah, man. Um Somebody somebody described the book as as humanizing him, which mm. I thought was really wonderful, yeah. man. Um, that's a great that's a great that's line a gr- because good, we all think word. of him as the guitar
3: god who yep. we we know the public persona but there's not much behind it. But right, this yeah, kind exactly. of makes you like, oh shit! He thought like this. He, he, you know, these are the things that bothered him. These are the things that he liked, and this is the stuff he was thinking about when he was in this period of the band. It, yeah, exactly. It's fascinating shit. It's fascinating. Yeah, that's
2: cool, man. And you yeah. know, it's, it's interesting, man. But uh, you bring up uh, Joe Satriani. Obviously, Joe is doing the uh, uh, the um, the new iteration of uh, Chickenfoot. Yeah. Halen. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, Right? I've known Joe for a long time. I think I interviewed Joe first or second, his first or second solo record. I mean the guy is just one of the coolest, nicest He's just an extraordinary guy. Mm-hmm. and he's literally one of the first people I reached out to. um just coincidentally speaking here. Uh, you know, to, to see, hey, Joe, you know, would you help support the book and, you know, maybe take a little picture with the book? Joe sent me like a little, I don't know if you've seen a little video of him talk, holding my book. And then he also provided a blurb for the back cover. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, which I just thought was amazing. But, you yeah. know, it's funny to hear you say, yeah, Joe <laughs> having, you know, to really wrestle with the Van Halen song. Yeah, <laughs> it's amazing. So have to wrestle with a song. I mean, yeah, it's, uh, it, it must be something, you know, but uh, yeah. interesting. St- yeah.
0: Steve, let me let me ask you this just to to go back a little bit when you were talking about how portions of this book are very personal Mm -hmm. and you did go through some moments about, you know, should I write this? Should I put this in there? Was there any point in the book where you consulted with Alex or Wolfgang or Valerie and said, you know, this is what I'm doing You know, or or did you just say, you know what, this is my relationship with Ed. This is my story to tell about Ed and I'm going to do it. And, you know, nothing is fabricated. This is the Eddie that, that that I was friends with for, you know, 30, 40 years.
2: Good question. Um, the simple answer is I have never spoken to Val, Alec or Wolf, uh, Wolf. I've never met, Um, um, uh, since the uh, 2003 when I uh, stopped being Edward, um, yep. I would have welcomed with open arms the idea that Val, Al, Wolf um, would have wanted to have been involved in the book on some level. Mm-hmm. If I could have reached out to him and said, Hey guys, look, at look, this is, this is what I told me at that point in time. You know, are you okay with that? You know, um, is that going to hurt you? I mean, you know, yeah. I, I, I would have abided by anything they said. No, Steve, don't, don't use that. Mm-hmm. The relationships weren't like that. Um, I'm, I'm, I wish they were, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I had still never spoken to them. Uh, you know, the book is in the second edition, so I don't know. Um, yeah.
0: I just thought it was interesting getting kind of behind the, the craft yeah of, of something like this. And like we said, the book is so personal and it's not your standard, you know, soup to nuts autobiography. Um, one, one other thing I wanted to, before I pass it back to Zeus, I'm fascinated by the title of the book tone chaser, because Zeus and I, we talk about, about music all the time on this, whether it's kiss or, or, you know, Ozzie and Randy Rhodes and rat with Warren and docking with George Lynch. And, and you're right. When you grew up, when you grow up with this music, and you listen, this is like all you listen to. You know tones. You hear tones, and you know Eddie Van Halen. You know that that's his tone. And I and I thought that was kind of a, a really kind of creative uh, choice for for a book title.
2: Well, thank you, man. You know, uh, I'm going to address your your second point here first. Yeah. Yes, man. The great, great, great guitar players. We can tell by one note. Yeah, Ed yep. Ed plays one note, one chord. Edward Van Halen, no question. Jeff Beck, David Gilmore. I mean, there's not many. I mean, really, there's not many, but yeah, man, that's, that's the true sign of greatness. Um, Tone facer So I'm basically just about done with the book. I mean, uh, you know, I, I can see the finish line and literally, I think it might have been one of the last or the last conversation I ever had with Edward. So we're talking, um, and it's a phone conversation, um, and he, I, I don't know what I had said to him. Uh, maybe you know, does music still mean to you what it did? You know, do you still, you know, it was something like that, kind of an open-ended thing, you know. And and he comes back goes, man, I'm a, I'm a tone taster, you know, I'm always looking for that elusive thing that I can never quite reach. And the second I heard that, I go, Oh my God, that's my title. Cause Absolutely. I had these other titles, man, and they were bad. It was like that <laughs> I had printed, um, on, I think on my Facebook page, I actually had the the, 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 type, the computer written page, you know, some notes. And one was, uh, God, blood, frets, and beers. Um, one was, um, <laughs> A time was this or trying to be poetic or something. Yeah. What the fuck does that mean? You know, yeah. and then I heard tone chase. So I go, Oh my God. And the thing that was so amazing about it is that I've interviewed by 2003, I'd interviewed 500 guitar players, 500 yeah. of the greatest guitar players who ever picked up a guitar. And not one of them ever had used that to describe their pursuit of the of the perfect tone you know wow they all would have said you know oh hey man yeah man, i just got the, a new pedal or yeah man, i just put in the the, the 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 Seymour pickup and you know i'm jacking everything to 10 and i got the, the, the greenback selection you know it would have been more of a of a specific thing they did as opposed mm-hmm. to this you know this yeah, it's got such a majestic by the tone chaser, you know, and when he said that, I go, Oh my God. And also for Edward, um, and it's in the book, he uses the word elusive. Mm. Edward didn't speak like that. Yeah. Edward would have said, Yeah, man, I, I can't find the tone. Uh, you know, my the tone on the last record was horrible. He never said that. But I'm just <laughs> saying, Right. It. But for him to use that, you know, it was again, man, I, I just thought it was so poetic. And I knew, mm. wow, in that instant, you know. I thought tone pacer and then understanding Edward, which works on a couple of levels. So it's understanding, like understanding Edward, understanding is an adjective of he's an understanding soul. Um, 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 but then, you know, understanding Edward, trying to to decipher Edward and, you know, kind of works on two levels. And I thought that was a cute little thing, you know, and then my 26 year, first it was going to be my 26 year adventure. And that's a, ah, a bit cheesy. That sounds like we're you know <laughs> doing coke all day. You know, <laughs> my 26 year odyssey hiding the alchemist. It <laughs> yeah. My 26 year journey. You know, because that's what it is, man. Because I was discovering stuff every day. Yeah, and um, yeah, man. Every every stone unturned with Edward was this great discovery. So um, yeah, nice. a long title for sure, but no, it's um, great. One that I was it's happy great. with. It's great. You know Thanks. what? It, when you described
3: it, it harkens back to like those surfers that are surfing the world, looking for that perfect wave. And like, it never ends for them because it's always out there. I got to get it. I'll find it. Maybe it's at this place. And it's just that journey. And it sounds like that's why this makes sense that that's why he's so good is because as great as he was, he was never satisfied. He's always looking to get better and to do other things. And that's fantastic. The title makes perfect sense. Now I want to, I want to take a, A little personal privilege here to ask something a little off topic, but it's not that much off topic because in the back of your head, I see a rainbow sticker. I was waiting for you to comment on that, Zeus. So I am a big rainbow fan. Oh, wow. I'm a big Richie Blackmore fan. Oh, wow. I am curious because all you hear about is talk about top five assholes in music. People bring (laughs) up the opposite Eddie Van Halen. They'll bring (laughs) up Richie Blackmore, the meanest curmudgeon fucking whatever you want to say. I'm curious. You've met him. You've interviewed him. You've been through with him. And once in a while you hear people that will say, yeah, you don't know him. If he likes you, you're good, but he doesn't like a lot of people. So I'd love to hear you tell me a little bit about Richie Blackmore, if you don't mind.
2: All right. So do you want to hear my Richie Blackmore by way of Eddie Van Halen story? Uh, even better.
3: Yeah, absolutely. This of course. So
2: this is, this is in the book. It's uh, 79. Um, uh, Rainbow is playing the Long Beach Arena, which is uh, where I was living in Hollywood. It's about an hour south. Um, uh, of where I lived. um um, I know Edward's a uh a Blackmore fan um so I'm thinking, what if I could get tickets and passes? you know, and I could go take Edward Van Halen to a concert? How freaking cool would that be, you know, So I scored the tickets and the passes, and then I'm thinking, oh my God, what an opportunity this is what if I could not only bring him to the concert, what if I could introduce him to Ritchie Blackmore? Mm. How freaking amazing would that be? You know, kind of the, you know, I'm I characterize Edward as sort of like- I know the
3: player. lore of this story, but go on. I want our listeners to hear this.
2: Edward's sort of the, you know, the young Turk Strat player, uh, Ritchie Blackmore, the classic, the classic guy, you know, the two of the greatest players of Strat, albeit Edward using, using his modified guitars, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. To me, you know, so- um, I need to back up for one second here. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that Edward had ever met Blackmore. Edward sort of ran into Richie when they were still doing clubs. Um Blackmore and John Bonham. And I hate to speak ill of, of those that are gone, but, but John John could be a tough one as well. Yep. They are, they are at um I've heard, I've heard conflicting stories. I think Edward tells them that he was at the rainbow, though it might have been actually a night when Van Halen was, was playing Gazari. We're going to say it's the rainbow. I'm pretty positive it was Blackmore and Bonham are at the rainbow. Edward looks over. He's a monster Zeppelin fan, right? Jimmy Page walks over, introduces him, and they treat him like shit. Okay. Ripley gives him grief. Bonham gives him grief. Okay. I I did not know this when I invited Edward Van Halen down to Long Beach to meet <laughs> Richard Blackmore. Ben, you fucking idiot, why couldn't you have told me that story? I, you know, I don't think I ever would have even taken you to the same auditorium where Richard was had I known that. so we go down there and um obviously Rainbow is headlining um so we get there. John Cougar is just on his set um uh uh Randy Hansen. Uh the, the, the Hendrix imitator who who's a very good guitar player um is supposed to be on next. The lights go down and Ritchie comes out with rainbow. We're going, What the fuck? Richie comes on as This the is seventy-nine? Could have, could have been seventy-eight. So
3: this was down to earth. This is with Graham Bonnet at the time. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Yep. exactly. Sorry, yep. man. No, no, no! I'm no, fascinated no, no. by this. That's fine. I, I,
2: I should, I should know better than try to uh, twist chronology with you in the room with Rainbow here. <laughs> uh, yes, seventy-eight, late seventy-eight. They're playing Long Beach, uh, uh, down to earth, uh, uh, grand Bonnet singing. Um, so Richie comes on, and to be honest, I, I can't remember his set. I, I mean, I'm sitting there with Edward Van Halen, watching Richie Blackmore. It's all I could do to remember how to breathe. You know, it's like. This is a pretty cool moment for me. I mean, let's be honest about it. After Richie gets done, um, I'm sorry, uh, then then Randy comes on. We go backstage. Uh, Edward knew uh, uh, Randy peripherally. Randy had played the whiskey, uh, I think, about a week earlier, two weeks earlier. They had met say hello. We go back there, and, um, you know, they say hello. Um, And I, I, I go, Randy, what the hell? Why didn't Richie go on? As a headliner. Because, well, Richie was afraid to go on after me. Apparently, Rand they had done a show up in Oakland, San Francisco, and Richie got a little bummed that Randy was so good. Look, Randy's an amazing guitar player. He's telling me this story. Is that the whole truth? Eh, I don't know. (laughs) You know, for whatever reason, Richie did not go on as a headliner that night. I had been to a thousand concerts. I had never seen that happen. So now I'm thinking, okay, the after-hours party is, is on the Queen Mary, which used to be like a regular ocean liner, which was now used to, you know, you could uh, you could hold weddings, you know, yeah. a big banquet. Yep. Label um, uh, rented out one of the big banquet rooms for this after-hours party. So we go, and I'm thinking, well, for whatever reason, Richie didn't go on as a headliner. He's probably not a happy camper. So all this is going through my head, So we walk in. And I'm thinking, maybe Richie isn't there. Maybe Richie didn't come. Maybe Richie's back in his hotel room. We go to the bar, we get a drink and I look across the room and there's Richie Blackmore. So I'm thinking, maybe Edward didn't see Richie Blackmore. Edward sees him. I go, Oh my God. (laughs) So we walk over, you know, I had actually just interviewed Richie, um, uh, a little previous, uh, a little before that for the cover of Guitar Player. And Richie, I gotta be honest, he was pretty cool. He was on his best behavior. Now you have to understand that he realized he was gonna be on the cover of Guitar Player, and it's like maybe I better not tip the the, the writer who's doing the cover story. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. All I know is it, it was a really good interview. He was he was pretty cool. I I, I have to put that out there. So we walk over, you know. And I see Richie kind of looking at me, and I think he kind of, you know, he kind of remembers me and he's looking at the guy next to me. So we walk over, you know, and I go, uh, Richie, you know, Steve Rosen he goes, yeah, hi, you know. And I'm about to introduce him, Richie, this is, and Richie looks at Edward, you know, and gives him that, gives him the eye, goes, oh, I know you. Goes, don't, don't you play guitar? <laughs> I'm going, oh my God, Richie, you're not going to do that, are you, dude? You're really not going to do that. <laughs> oh, God. And Ed just kind of st- st- stands you know, and I know that he was crushed, man. I mean, oh, he didn't show it. Um, but uh, th- that one hurts. Um, we, we write, we write home. I'm afraid to bring it up, you know, something. And my God is Ed pissed at me that I in- tried to introduce him. You know, I didn't think he would be, but he was hurt, man. Uh, you know, yeah. he didn't bring it up. Um, a short while later, Ed did a, uh, uh, an interview with Jazz Obrecht from Guitar Player. And, um, Ed talks about this Blackmore encounter. Strangely enough, Ed never, not that he should have, but Ed never re- referenced me introducing him to Ritchie. And Ed would oftentimes forget that I was there. <laughs> I, it was a strange thing. I introduced Ed to Billy Gibbons and they introduced him to Les Paul and he, he forgot totally which is neither here nor there. It's another chapter in the book. But he yeah. writes about that, saying, yeah, man, you know, and Richie kissed me a long time ago on the club days, and I was going to go down there with a vengeance, you know. And, uh, you know, yeah, Richie just ended up saying, yeah, you're a good guitar player or something. Richie never said that. <laughs> so uh, anyway, that's my Blackmore story. I can tell you that in 74 uh, for the Burn tour, uh mm-hmm. I flew out to, I forget. I, I forget. Somewhere back east. And Richie was horrible. The first time I'd ever met him. <laughs> I interviewed him right before one of the gigs. And he was actually like warming up. And it was amazing watching him warm up. The little practice bath, you know. And he's going through his routines. And it was just amazing. So I remember asking him something about, I don't know. So what's it like working with, uh, you know, David Coverdale? And he goes, yeah, well, David's good, you know. But uh, the bag end shoot uh, basketball and the uh, uh, lilies like green in the field, and I'm thinking, <laughs> this is so thick that I can't understand. So I said, "Well, you know, uh, you got two singers, you know, David and and Glenn Hughes." He goes, "Well, uh, singers go uh, by the time you go onto the seesaw and the and the moon comes down." And <laughs> I would later find out that it's like this English double speak, which has meant nothing to do but embarrass the person. He's yep. speaking to, and he could Yes, he does that you all know, the time. I've heard.
0: I, yep.
2: Right, you yep. know, man, and, and and I think I said to him, I go, I, I go, you know, man, I I really have uh, this great respect from you, man. And I flew all the way out here, and you know, I don't know, I don't know what I said. Something like, you know, I don't think, you know, I'm, I'm sorry that you have to treat me like this. And he was a little better, but not much. I would inter- interview him, and uh, then I'll be, be done here. I interviewed him again. Uh, uh, during the um, uh, Blackmore's night, yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. good oh, yeah. I, oh my God, I, uh, I, I don't get it. I, yeah, I, no, no, I don't get don't it either. Don't worry, this no midi- one else does it. This yeah, no medieval one else does either. shit that he's oh, doing now, yeah. I yeah.
3: waste of wasted of many years of his life. That talented player playing yeah, doing exactly. this. It's rough woodland exactly. frigging shit that he's doing now. But anyways exactly. but I just, I, I'm sorry, man,
2: no, I'm, I'm sorry. Just saying. That last thing you love. Oh, go ahead. So my first question, I hadn't, I hadn't spoken to him in years. So i go, Richie, and, and he kind of remembered me. I mean, I, yeah. I, I didn't do like three or four times. And then goes, Richie, yeah, man. So, uh, uh, like an open-ended question, hoping he was going to fill in some holes. So what have you been up to? Or, you know, you, you know, and he said, well, what do you want to know? It's been a long time. Or I, and I went downhill from there, you know, and it's like, he wouldn't talk about purple. And It's like, oh my God, fuck oh, you, geez. Richie. And, you know? <laughs> Look, I think Blackmore, for all of his faults, man, he is, honestly, I, I don't think he's given nope. the credit he should be given. I think he's just one of the most remarkable guitar players. Oh, Talk yeah. About guys who play one note. He's that guy. His songwriting, oh, my God, his rhythm playing is so unique, you know. But for some reason, look, I, I don't know the guy, but I, I, I think the reason he treated Ed that way is that he was somehow – Yeah, let's go, Ben. Like, my God, the guy, you know, the guy had done nothing more than write Speed King. It's like, that's all you have to do, Richie. You don't have to prove shit to anybody. Yeah. You
0: know.
3: The um, thing about him is, I always felt, is that he was never accepted into the big three. Jimmy, Jeff, and Eric. Yeah. He was right there with them, and he learned just as much. And talent-wise, he could be in there. As the four of them. But the yeah. three of them fucking hate him. And yeah. they elbowed him out. So anytime there's the conversation, they never bring him up. They only no. bring each other up. And those yep. three are the ones that everyone knows. Oh, the yard board connection and stuff. But Richie should be in there. But they fucking hate him. And I <laughs> love hearing stories like this. Because at this point now, because it's not happening to me, I love hearing of what a... Uh, historic asshole he is
2: just for no reason at all just a mean miserable fuck
0: yeah
2: <laughs> yeah man no you're right you're right you're right and and you know even in you know just lists of the of um you know the, the the five most influential guitar players he's never listed there nope no and it's both from an 11th or something but my god you know and you know it's weird you know so I play guitar. You know, I mentioned mm-hmm. that. You know, oh, we I'm not very good. So. But yeah. you know, you're, yeah, man. So, but you go. You know, now with YouTube, you know, you can watch these guys and you can learn the exact solo to, uh, you know, uh, 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 "Smoke on the Water." Yeah, It's such an unbelievable solo. And look, for a good guitar player, it's probably pretty easy. But I mean, just it's just the solo is just so fucking great. And you realize that every note the guy played was just amazing. And Every solo we ever played and his vibrato bar stuff. Oh my god, nobody mm-hmm. plays vibrato bar like that. So he's got a style, he has this thing, right? Yeah. You know, I
3: would say he's got a simple style that's been copied over the years. That neoclassical rock guitarist, yeah, that all the ingvays and all the other copiers that did that shit in the 80s and stuff. That's Richie Blackmore. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's how big of yeah. an influence he created this style of. Hard rock metal guitar playing That yeah. so many people have copied And uh, he doesn't get his due Because he's an asshole yeah. <laughs> but Anyways uh, I'll leave it to Tom to, to, to wrap up here for you I know you had a last yeah. question
0: no no, no, we're just gonna I mean again, we could talk about I mean, this is this is the wheelhouse for Zusa. We could just talk forever. I mean we're talking to Steve Rosen, the greatest guitar journalist like ever but uh Steve, this has been absolutely beyond fantastic. We could keep you here for another three hours. The book is Tone Chaser. he is Steve Rose and you can find all about it and more at tonechaserbook dot com. Steve, thank you so much for your time. We appreciate it. This has been an amazing conversation. Sometime in the future, we'd love to have you back and and pick your brain about some of the all-time great guitarists and maybe have a fun conversation. So, Steve, thank you so much. This has been awesome.
2: Yeah, man. Tom, Zeus, thank you, guys. Had a lot of fun, educational. Come back anytime you want me to, guys. For sure. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Tom, that was the great
2: author, Steve
0: Rosen. Thoughts? Loved it. Could have talked to him all night. Um, I love guys that you can tell are clearly passionate about what they do. Um, you could tell that his relationship with Eddie was very, very special and very important to him and that this was a labor of love. Uh, so great stuff, of course. And then who doesn't love picking his brain about other things like one of your favorite guitarists and your favorite bands, Richie Blackmore and Rainbow. And who knows? We might have to have him back on to continue picking his brain about all the guys that we love. Cause the guy is fantastic.
3: Yeah, he's got a wealth of knowledge. He's got some kiss stories too, so we'll have him back. But uh, till next time. Peace out, Girl Scout.